You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. Have you ever considered becoming an entrepreneur? Are let's say you you've got an entrepreneurial heart, but you work in a nonprofit sector. Well, today I have Brittany Jenkins. She's a public health practitioner, certified health education specialist, consultant, speaker, and mentor. And she is the founder of and CEO of Jenkins Public Health Consulting, LLC, serving clients across the, the United States. Brittany helps nonprofit and for-profit organizations with a public health and wellness program, develop initiative, and effective outreach strategies that increase awareness, engagement, and ultimately improve outcomes for communities. She truly believes improved outreach improves outcomes. And today we're talking about how she went from nonprofit owner to entrepreneur and CEO. Um, Brittany, it's so good to have you. Also, guys, her links are in the show notes or description box below, depending on where you're um, consuming this information. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Of course, of course. So I want to get right into this. What was your aha moment or like turning point to start your own business? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to do more than just work for someone who, you know, owns a nonprofit or work for their mission. I've been in communities where they needed resources from the start and it wasn't being implemented effectively. Um, There were just so many missing pieces to that. Um, And so when I was working for these companies, I'm like, I need to create my own mission to make sure that people have the resources they need to improve their health outcomes. And that's what my aha moment was. And that was my turning point in saying, okay, let me start my own um, for-profit consulting business to help these nonprofits and for-profits with a public health and wellness program, develop uh, outreach strategies to really connect with their community, let their community know what resources are available, and address those uh, issues with accessing those resources, address equity issues when it comes to accessing those resources. So that was really my aha moment, being in the mix of these organizations for over 10 years through volunteering and working, and then saying, okay, I need to do something more to make sure people really do have the resources they need for the health, for a good health long-term. I I love that you saw an issue and you wanted to solve a problem because like, that's the biggest thing yes. when you start a business, there's an issue yes. that you want to solve. 
And um, can you tell me a little bit about how your consultancy solves those issues? Yes. So I work with organizations um, and basically we have a two hour strategy session or a three day workshop. And we focus all about their community outreach strategy. And initially we conduct a audit on their public health program, a wellness program. Then we break down everything and determine what opportunities exist for both, what people's indicators are needed for them to achieve success in their organization. And then with the three-day workshop, we dive even deeper into those things. So we're looking at their, their on-the-ground outreach efforts, their online outreach efforts, their marketing and PR as well to make sure we're not only reaching individuals in person, but we're reaching them online as well. What, what area do you find that nonprofits in, in general seem to struggle in the most? Is it something that is common between all of them or is it something that's just unique per nonprofit? It can be unique per nonprofit because the different skills and um, opportunities are different per nonprofit. Um, but specifically, uh, I would say that a lot of them do struggle with generally connecting with communities. There's a lot of times that even online, let's say, you see them just posting about things, but what is the call to action? You see them posting about successes or needs, but how are you really following up with those requests or the people who have commented on those posts? How are you bringing people, uh, connecting people online and driving that traffic offline for real impact for the organization? Then in person, which is really my biggest effort, um, which can be done online and offline with my service business, um, the in-person challenge with organizations is you're going to the, any outreach event, any and all, and you're not thinking about if you're really able to reach your target audience there. You're just going to reach people, right? You're not niching down in a way or making sure that your mission is being accomplished by going to a specific event. So adequately researching which event you're going to to make sure that you're reaching your target audience. And there's also so many other factors to that as well, right? A lot of times you might have experienced this as well, going to community outreach events, and it's just a free-for-all. You go to all these tables to grab all these materials. But like I like to remind organizations is, that's donor money, that's grant money. And those are some dollars that we really need to be intentional about how we're giving out these resources, right? So I tell organizations, you know, do trivia, do health education about your organization, have signups for volunteers, needing board members, needing donations or whatever to give out that material because these are donor dollars, these are grant dollars that are very important in the operation and success of the organization. I love that you're helping make these organizations run more effectively and be able to mm -hmm. do more outreach with, with the resources they already have, really mm -hmm. helping them utilize what they have and making it you know, to the best. I'm, and I'm, I know, of course, you probably find ways to get more donations and more um, things as well. Um, mm -hmm. But, but you meet them where they're at. And I think that's Absolutely. important, you know, you take the two hour, you, you go in and on two hour session, you take the time to get to know the people mm -hmm. are, you do the three day workshop. Um, Absolutely. And really help them connect with the community, which is the which is the community that they're trying to serve best anyway. And how do you mm -hmm. best serve a community that you're not truly connected to when you really don't know their Exactly. Yeah. There's too many times that I've experienced by working with volunteer organizations where we have this amazing program and we just put it in the community. 
And that issue is you're not actually having the community at the table to further develop that program to make sure all needs are met and that the community is actually ready for this. And also so that the community can drive that program after we leave that program or that resource to them, right? We don't want to have to continue to um, put that, uh, assist that community in enhancing their health. We want them to be educated and have the resources to go out on their own to then improve their own health and educate their peers and family members as well. So education and empowerment, um, because yeah, Absolutely. you can lead a you can lead a horse a horse to water. You can't make them drink. You can also Absolutely. give a bunch of fish, but if you never teach the person how to fish, you're doing mm -hmm. the community a very dis a huge disservice. Absolutely, and that's where health literacy comes in mind. Uh, we are constantly educating communities about chronic diseases, which is my favorite aspect of public health: chronic disease and injury prevention. But we're using the big physician uh, healthcare words that our community isn't ready for. You would think that someone who has high blood pressure understands what hypotension is. You would think that someone who has diabetes knows what it is and the different types of diabetes. There's pre-diabetes, type one and type two. Some people have not even known that there's a pre-diabetes. And I've heard an interesting comment from a lady one time. She said, there's no such thing as pre-diabetes. That's like being pre-pregnant. And I was, I try not to laugh. I almost lost my whole like water, but that's the part and the importance of educating health literacy so that they know the levels of preventing diabetes, how they can actually prevent it for the long term of uh, chronic illness and creating a healthier lifestyle for themselves overall. Absolutely. You know, I find my, I do a lot with nonprofit organizations. Um, I do a lot with my church. I actually, I volunteer with the overnight warming center um, mm -hmm. about 45 minutes away from me. So I'm, I'm pretty connected to the different communities and stuff like that and, and how to serve. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we're really, really working on right now is like, I just got certified as a mental health, uh, no, no. Yeah. Mental health first aid. I just okay, got certified. Awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> I, uh, uh, it, it was a longer process than I expected, but I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Right. <laughs> but the things that we we think are common sense and we take for granted, um, we forget sometimes when we are serving people mm -hmm. that are in need to have compassion, you know, to, mm -hmm. to not be judgmental with, mm -hmm. with what they don't know. Like, I mean, and I, I've been Absolutely. constantly volunteering in communities that are underserved. And I was a kid and I was like, telling my mom, I'm like, mom, she didn't even know what a pastry was. Yeah. And I'm like, and my mom was like, everybody does, is not experienced. I'm like, but it's at Panera. Like, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that's your blessing. You know, that's your, um, that's your experience. It's not everyone. The simplest things are not everyone's experience, you know? Um, so yeah, that's super important. And meeting people where they are by doing assessments are super important, right? again, with the assumptions and the health literacy levels, even people who are executive have low reading levels. So we can't assume just because you have all this education or all this experience that your reading level or your literacy level is, I will say health literacy level is high. Um, there's so many people who are still struggling with their health and they have a lot of money. That, you know, There's so many people who are struggling with their health and their low income. So we have to meet people where they are. Well, I, I personally find where the biggest disconnect comes from when it comes to the people that are working in mm -hmm. these industries, not everybody, not everybody, but a great mm -hmm. majority 
have never been in the position that the, that the, of the community that they are serving is in. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's, that's a big one. And, and because of, and so I like what, when I was saying the stuff before it was because I I've been in bad situations, but I still Mm -hmm. was never in the same situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's definitely a a privilege that I, I will say that I've had, um, yeah. And I, I know that a lot of people that, that work in these industry, in these um, nonprofits are amazing, mm-hmm. great people. Mm-hmm. But when you really can't relate to who you're trying to serve, mm-hmm. it's really, really difficult to, to even build those relationships with people. Because at the end of the day, we're just people and we need to build relationships with right. the community we're serving. Yeah. And part of that community outreach strategy is training your staff and volunteers just because they're hired, just because they ace that interview or have been with the organization for 15 years. That does not mean that they're ready to serve that that target audience. They need to be trained on what the deeds are, the demographic you're serving, possible language barriers, literacy levels, making sure our material that we're presenting to that community, whether verbally or written, is at a level that in the um, community can't understand. Because again, we can't assume just because we're serving all doctors that they, I mean, you have a different um, level of education when you're speaking to doctors, but when you're serving the community as a whole, we just need to make sure that all those things are being met. So staff need to be trained, volunteers need to be trained before they go out to represent the organization, even for health uh, fairs and presentations. And that's, that makes things more effective. That helps to re- um, to reach that target audience and also get that audience to where you want them to be. And that's a part of your program, staying in your program to enhance their health outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So what is something that has been um, a, a big struggle for you in doing this wor- line of work? As a business, uh, my biggest struggle, let's see, um, I would say just making sure that I have that like, know, and trust with my target audience or my ideal clients. Um, that's like one of the cliche things going around, but it is very true. You know, as someone who seemingly young black woman who might not seem to have a lot of experience, I might not be chosen to work with other over other people, not because of my race or anything like that, but because I might seem younger with less experience. However, I have tons of experience in the field. I've worked for local, state, and federal organizations. I've led many initiatives. So I have a ton of experience, even you know, for someone who's been in the field, but in the same position. Um, so I think that has been the challenge, really making sure that my audience or my ideal clients know that, hey, this has been my passion from the beginning, because first of all, this is what I was raised around, philanthropy, volunteering, giving back, and being intentional, my grandparents were just very outgoing individuals. We helped every single person we saw who needed help. And that kind of curated my, my desire and passion to pursue public health along with many other things. Um, but it's not only passion, it's not only education, but it's my purpose. So passion, I guess you could say. <laughs> go, okay, go into that, go into it being your purpose. Cause I'm I'm a purpose-driven person. And I think that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are also purpose-driven. So go into how you determined like this was your like purpose, your calling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very, I wouldn't say it's emotional in a way because I want everyone to live a healthy, happy lifestyle. Like no matter what piece of health I'm focusing on, 
um, I don't really focus on mental health. I focus on the inside out, which is um, the diet, the physical activity, the chronic disease prevention, such as tobacco cessation and things like that. I hope those organizations really focus in on those things to make sure that people have the best, best healthy uh, lifestyle and opportunity they possibly can. Um, that passion comes, that purpose comes from knowing that everyone deserves to live healthy. Everyone deserves to have the resources available to them. Um, and just no matter where they are in that, in that journey, there's opportunity for them to gain access to a resource. No matter if you're rich or poor, um, I serve so many people who are part of a diabetes education program that had various levels of um, income. Even though we didn't track that, some things you can see between the car you're pulling up in versus someone who's probably walking to every class. But it was always making sure that everyone had the resource they needed. And it can be very emotional for me to see people who are physically challenged with you know, when they're walking or through other disabilities or an ailments that could have been prevented if they had the right resource early on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because, you know, in, in, in a lot of these communities, the diet is so, um, yeah. it's, it's culture. It's cultural. <laughs> yeah. Our diet is That's so true. cultural. You know, if you- In U.S. culture too. Yes. <laughs> A lot of, yes. and when I say a lot of um, our communities, like, I mean, just our, in general, U.S. Mm -hmm. culture, every yeah. event got food, you know? You get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You and you think food, about the surveys. <laughs> and you got drinks and, you know, you got, you got, a, you got a lot, you got a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, I, I was thinking about it um, because I'm like, I don't want when I have children, I do not want my child to have sugar. Like, of course, like, like fruits and stuff like that. Like that's <laughs> natural sugar is fine, but yeah. like candy in the first year, right? I'm going to be very mindful of that. Well, cause I want to do like the cake smashing party mm -hmm. and like on the first birthday and see how they react <laughs> yeah. to the sugar. I, uh, I, like, just, I just want that yeah. for myself, you know? Um, but I was like, I've been volunteering in all these different, like parades and stuff like that I'm like hold on so New Year's yeah. there's usually like a like a parade or something like that and there's candy being thrown mm -hmm. Valentine's Day is in February you know so in the mm -hmm. classrooms and stuff like that there's candy yeah there's yeah. um sometimes there's President's Day parades also February mm -hmm. thing there's so many things going on in February that there's just more food that's involved Super Bowl <laughs> food mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely yeah um March We've got St. Patrick's Day and there's that parade, you know, and there's candy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> and then April, Easter, Easter and more candy. Um, <laughs> May, Mother's Day, Cinco de Mayo, um, Memorial Day. Yeah. Lots of food and candy and sweets, you know, and it's just like we're five months in. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, you have yeah. to be so mindful of all of these little mm -hmm. things. And I mean, it's a, I, I, I will say that I will never have to buy candy. I'm, I'm convinced that I'm never mm -hmm. going to buy candy for my kid because I'm going to just. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I agree with you on that. When it comes to introducing sugar to your child, we have a seven month old and we were actually getting like massages for our anniversary and this lady brought in candy for the baby. I'm like, she can't even chew whole foods yet. Like, why would you give her a sucker? But you know, um, but in regards to food and everything like that, I think uh, the portion sizes in the United States is completely 
uh, significant compared to other countries, you know, and then the food waste is a whole other issue. Uh, the fried foods and the baked foods, it's just so many levels and layers to eating healthy. And I think even when it comes to fruits, we have to be careful from all that sugar. I know individuals who have diabetes, they can't just eat all the fruit that they want. They have to be very careful. So it's, it's just really about that personal needs when it comes to food intake and everything like that as well. And access, I mean, food deserts, food swamps, that's a whole other layer. <laughs> Absolutely. So, when you're eating a bunch of processed food, you're not getting the proper nutrition you need. Um, mm-hmm. Your protein is very limited. Um, quality yeah. protein too. Um, mm-hmm. And just, and it takes, it takes time to transition. It takes time to implement these new food items. If you're so used to eating a certain way, the grilled chicken mm-hmm. is not going to be as good in the beginning. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. But then over time, you know, it's a, it's a transitionary thing. Um, so would you say that you help the organizations that you work with when it comes to setting up things that make it the communities that you serve a more of a lifestyle change? Yes, it could be that, you know, a lot of these organizations are already established with their mission, their goals, they're established by the one to three. Or like I mentioned, there are some for-profit organizations who have an employee wellness program. Um, but a lot of times they are establishing their initiatives. So for example, when it comes to the lifestyle change, what I would say, I love everything about tobacco cessation and control, uh, teaching people how to quit. That's one of the hardest things that I've worked with. You know, people who smoke really like to smoke in some cases, but then a lot of them also are ready to quit. So also making sure we don't make those assumptions that they're not ready to quit and meeting them where they are with those assessments in their readiness. Um, so a lot of that is can be lifestyle change, behavioral change um, as well. Yeah, um, I tried to quit because I smoked black and mild since I was like 18 years old. And, mm, then, okay. <laughs> and then I started vaping when I turned 26. Mm. And um, then I, I went through this crazy time in my life recently that caused me like back in October, actually, I, I stopped mm-hmm. drinking. I started living a completely sober lifestyle. And in December, I completely stopped vaping. Um, mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. And it was, it was, a, it was a God thing. It really was because I yeah. mean, I tried so many other times by myself. I, I tried to mm-hmm. like, but it was really one of those things that it was like, it's a habit that I have to break. And then I understood, mm-hmm. um, the first three days that you get out of, you know, you stop using nicotine for anybody that's listening to this that does not know it's the first three days your then your body does not have nicotine anymore. So then it's just a ha- mm. habitual thing that you have. Mm. And it's, it's really, you know, changing what you do, what you're a lot of times people smoke because they're super stressed out. So mm-hmm. even sometimes just doing breathing exercises really, really helped me to when I was quitting smoking to do like box breathing or other yeah. things like that. It might seem a little weird, but like, think about it. You're breathing when you're smoking. It, it's so it might be a yeah. transition for, for those of you that are listening and you're like, man, I, I should stop smoking. My husband smokes yeah. and I'm, one of these days he'll quit, but yeah. You know, you and I like to, to educate you. people. Absolutely. You do. And sometimes you have to just be in front of that person who hits that certain trigger point in your heart or 
let you realize like right now you feel good, but in 10 years, even five or less, you could feel horrible. Your life can completely change through stroke and heart attack. I met a 30 year old guy who had a triple bypass, 30 years old, triple bypass due to smoking. And I mean, I could talk about that control all day, but when it comes to quitting smoking, I like to encourage people to change their routine. There's always a routine with someone who smokes. Maybe they get up and go right outside and smoke, or maybe they smoke in, indoors. However they do it, change your routine, remove those triggers, including not being around someone who smokes when you're trying to quit smoking. Um, that really would help to make that e that transition a lot easier as well. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I can understand that being a challenging thing. Um, yeah. What are some of the biggest solutions that you provide to the companies, um, the nonprofit organizations and for-profit organizations that you serve? Some of the biggest solutions, I think that making sure that your staff are highly engaged when it comes to um, the mission of your organization, highly engaged and excited about putting that mission out there to the community, serving that community. So like I said earlier, training them making sure that they have the proper resources and tools to go out and do it effectively. And sometimes doing it in teams, right? Not everyone is that person who wants to go out by themselves and present or go out by themselves and attend events. So always have a team to have, uh, make sure that you are supporting your, your staff member. Um, another thing is like I mentioned health literacy, being intentional about the presentations or the workshops or the trainings or however you provide your service, making sure that you read it over again to uh, make sure that there's no big words. And if there is, because you want that individual to understand what hypotension is, make sure that it's broken down to the uh, level that that community will understand, depending on who it is. So if you're educating, you know, members in the low income community or community that you know needs that resource, make sure it's broken down. A lot of doctors would likely know that word, that hypotension word. So it's okay, but it really depends on that community. Also, I would say having in, like intentional outreach, and that means not just going to a health fair and sitting there behind your, your table and just handing out the brochure or flyer, really getting up in front of that table and engaging with that community to make sure that they understand what resource is available, how to access it, how like actually accessing it, and then um, staying in contact with that person who has access to your program. Because a lot of the times people aren't going to use your program just one time when it does improve their health. It's going to be a long-term connection. I'm taking notes because I'm I'm hearing <laughs> the things that you're saying, and I, um, and there's so many levels to this. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 there is. Um, yeah. Okay, so what I've got is you've got increased staff engagement, improved com um, company morale which is really big mm -hmm. when it comes to employee yes, retention. It it's, yes, we have people quitting by the millions monthly. Mm -hmm. So it's in, 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 these, in the nonprofit sector, it, it must be higher. So that is a, that is a yeah. big point there. Um, mm -hmm. Improved communication of message and their, yes. their overall cause. Um, mm -hmm. in, improved community relation community relationship and also yes. an increased um engagement with the community also mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sensing that you're going to be able to get more um more emails more community mm -hmm. outlook numbers yes. for people so yes. yes there's a lot and, and 
Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the other things is when I'm talking to organizations, don't just go there to educate, go there to collect data, go there mm -hmm. to collect information of the individuals you serve. Like I said, you might have someone who's interested in volunteering. You might have a potential client in, in a you know, nonprofit terms, they wouldn't be called a client. Um, you might have someone who's interested in being an employee or joining your board. How are you following up with the individual? So I say use QR codes on your material so it's easy for anyone to access or have written paper for those who may not have a phone and collect. I say always name, email, and zip code. If you only want to do three things, name, email, and zip code, and then also maybe an option for someone who wants to be, uh, who wants to participate in the organization at some level, like some of the examples I mentioned. When you see these zip codes that you're getting a lot of people from, make sure that you're implementing efforts in that zip code. That's what I always say. If you see that you're getting a lot of donations from a certain zip code, make sure you put your efforts in that zip code. And um, you know, if you're only serving a specific zip code or county or state, it might be a little bit different, but you know, I always tell organizations as well to make sure people know what you're doing with their donor money. Don't just take it and put it in your annual report. Some people don't even do annual reports, but always put out how their donation has helped your organization online and sending a thank you personally to that person. Yeah, I and I because I donate personally to a, mm -hmm. a few different organizations and I'm there's they're always asking for more <laughs> versus, versus <laughs> thanking for the current yeah. contributions. Um so you know in improved um I think the other one was a uh, yeah just community relations like you're, mm -hmm. you're you're it's so it's a you you offer a lot um mm -hmm. when it comes to your services not just to the company but to the and and to the community as well and I think that's phenomenal yes. and I understand why this would be a thing that wouldn't just be a nonprofit, um, mm -hmm. because there's this need. Like, I'm not saying nonprofits. Yeah, let me, let me correct that. Um, it has like you have to have the funding to be able to serve these, mm -hmm. th like these communities. The, Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah, and let me touch on a quick point that you just mentioned, something very important. To have to have the funding to, you know, serve communities. That's where collaborations and leveraging your partnerships come in handy, right? What you don't have, they might. What they don't have, you. So really making sure that, again, those intentional outreach efforts have a goal behind it, whether you have a goal to reach your target audience, whether you have a goal to make sure that you're connecting with new partner opportunities, so that you guys can both leverage your resources to meet the outcomes or the objectives of your organization. So sometimes it's not just about the grant funding that you have or don't have or the donations, but sometimes organizations like Truth Initiative is one of my favorite. I'll always be like in love with Truth Initiative who's focused on uh, decreasing smoking rates among youth and adults and also opioid uh, use. But they have, in my experience with them over the last several years, five years or more, they've been a very giving organization to help other organizations at the local and state level help people quit smoking and help them stop being targeted by tobacco industries for various reasons, including vaping. Yeah, you know, I will say that um, there were, like, the tobacco industries are out there. They give out, like, there's, they have people, they give out coupons. Mm -hmm. Yes, for for the, I, I like 
And I mean, back when I, yeah. like, I'd get the coupons from them for my husband because I didn't yeah. smoke cigarettes. I did not, but like, but it was still like, they're, they're out there. They're like, oh, yes, they are. <laughs> that's the gas stations. Um, mainly that's their biggest income source. Gas stations is tobacco products, tobacco products and alcohol. Lottery and so, here. Yeah. Too. Lottery is it like in certain places mm-hmm. it's huge. Wow. Are you in Florida? I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. I was okay. just in Florida for vacation, but <laughs> okay. But uh yeah, no, I I um it's it's interesting. It's always the vices. Like it's it's not like because you have to be very disciplined mm-hmm. to make a lifestyle change in Absolutely. a lot of the areas that these um nonprofits are serving. You've got yes. to be very, very self-disciplined. Um yeah. And, you know, want better for yourself too. Yeah. And as an organization, as an organization, you have to make sure that you're meeting that person right when they're ready. When you're telling them about your service, you have to write, you have to have it ready for them to be a part of it. You can't be like, oh, well, just call me on Monday. (laughs) Look, people who want to start diets today, they can't start Monday. They have to start today. People who want to quit smoking today, they have to do something now to get to that point to quit, right? I don't say cold turkey is good because it has side effects and things like that. Some people can quit cold turkey, but it's just, it's not always the greatest case. So starting now to, to do better in your lifestyle is so important versus waiting till Monday. Absolutely. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge, exactly what you do, Absolutely. who you yeah. serve and, um, you know, what made you make the transition and like what your purpose is. And I, you know, I'm praying success for you and the communities that you're serving. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. You guys can find out, you know, the outline of my services on the website is so many levels to it. So you can check it out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.